Howdy friends, this is Matt Sewell and you're listening to episode 46 of the PopeCast, the only podcast about popes for people who love history and a good story, but have neither the time nor the interest to pick up dry, dusty history books. We're talking about a pope today who more than likely sported an illustrious beard, so it's only natural that this episode is sponsored once again by Catholic Balm Co., the very best in beard balms, beard oils, lotion bars, and more. And you don't even have to be Catholic to buy it. Head over to catholicbalm.co, catholicbalm.co to check out their great variety of products. And then be sure to enter the word Pope, P-O-P-E, at checkout. Fans of the PopeCast get 10% off their entire order with the promo code. So once again, that's catholicbalm.co and the word Pope at checkout. Thanks again to Catholic Balm Co. for sponsoring the PopeCast. Our Pope today reigned barely more than a century after Jesus walked the earth. And he's best known for welcoming a disciple of the beloved disciple to Rome for a friendly chat about the date of Easter. This week on the PopeCast, it's the 11th Pope, Pope St. Anicetus. As is the case with most of the early pontiffs, St. Anicetus' early life is all but lost to history. It's thought that he was a Phoenician by birth, modern-day Syria, having been born around the late 1st century. He ascended to the papacy to succeed St. Pius I around the year 157 AD, when Christianity was still growing increasingly popular but still was very much illegal. Now, thankfully, the reign of Anicetus was pretty peaceful as far as Roman persecution, but that also means that the historical record is a bit thin on detail as far as the church was concerned. We can still know, however, that Anicetus likely spent a fair amount of time dealing with the two more prominent early heresies of the church, those being Gnosticism and its close cousin, Marcionism. Gnosticism, as we've discussed on the show before, boils down basically to spirit good, matter bad and places an emphasis on a secret gnosis, or knowledge, that only initiated believers can truly partake in. It's taken many forms over the centuries, and is easily the most enduring of any heresy Catholicism has ever faced. But it was especially pesky back then, when the church was still fledgling, and many of the core understandings of things like the nature of Christ, the nature of God, more fully had yet to be fully fleshed out. Marcionism was a more specific sect of Gnosticism and is considered by some to have been the most dangerous heresy to plague the early church, if nothing else, because it was the first actual physical schism, physical breaking off sect uh, away from the church itself. It was promoted by a wealthy shipowner and likely bishop named Marcion, who taught that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament were two different dudes, the latter being, being good and merciful and the former being cruel and bad. Now, there were all sorts of other things Marcion believed as a result of that. Jesus wasn't truly fully divine and fully human. Jesus wasn't coming again. Uh, All matter was bad. And ironically, marriage was something to be rejected, which made it rather tough, as you might imagine, for his sect to naturally grow, what with discouraging families and all. But despite all that, Anicetus' struggle with Marcionism was just the first in a long line of papal fights with this particular heresy. It ended up sticking around for almost 300 more years in its own form before blending into Manichaeism and finally dying out around the 600s. Now, elsewhere during Anicetus' 11-year pontificate, the Christian historian Hegesippus came to Rome, considered by many to be one early sign of an inherent understanding of papal authority in the early church. 
Hegesippus is a significant figure due to his documenting of the early church, but especially this excerpt from around the year 160 AD, noting the various churches' uniformity with Rome and documenting his visit to see the Pope himself. He writes, quote, And the church of the Corinthians remained in the true word until Primus was bishop in Corinth. I made their acquaintance in my journey to Rome and remained with the Corinthians many days, in which we were refreshed with the true word. And when I was in Rome, I made a succession up to Anicetus, whose deacon was Eleutherius. And in each succession and in each city, all is according to the ordinances of the law and the prophets and the Lord. End quote. Quick side note, that deacon, Eleutherius, would be Pope number 13, two after Anicetus later on. But important though Hegesippus was, he didn't hold a candle to another visitor to Rome. The conversation that would prove to be the highlight of Anicetus' papacy, at least as far as historical memory is concerned. Somewhere between 160 and 162 AD, Polycarp, the aged bishop of Smyrna, came to Rome to chat with the Pope about the date of Easter. Now, Polycarp, a prolific writer who's listed among the early church fathers, the apostolic fathers as they're known, was a disciple of none other than St. John the Evangelist, the beloved disciple who rested his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper and watched him die on a cross not long afterward. That's the guy who trained Polycarp. So as you might imagine, a guy like that can be pretty fired up for the mission. He was known to not mince words, writing at one point, just as one example of Polycarp's many writings in this letter to the Philadelphians. Polycarp writes, quote, Everyone who does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is an antichrist. Whoever does not confess the testimony of the cross is of the devil. And whoever perverts the sayings of the Lord for his own desires and says that there is neither resurrection nor judgment such a one is the firstborn of Satan. <laughs> End quote. You get the idea. Now, one of the topics of the visit was the dating of Easter, which happened, of course, in its first instance when Jesus died and rose on the Sunday following the Feast of Passover. Now, that meant for some that it should be tied to that same date on the Jewish calendar year after year, that being the 14th day of the month of Nisan, for what it's worth. Uh, and then also it corresponded to a full moon to boot. Now, the problem was that the moons don't always cooperate, so the dates would have to be fudged a little, you know, depending on the year. It's now settled, though, um, you know, to make a long story short, that Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday after what's called the Paschal Full Moon, or the first full moon after March 21st, the start of spring. Now, I know what you're thinking. I totally understand how that can make for a riveting and fiery debate between patriarchs, right? And I would respond with, I know it totally was. Now, at least in the early church, it was a pretty big deal, not only for accurately celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but also to be unified as one church. So they needed to really, you know, be of one uh, mind and one voice on this. So at any rate, Anicetus and Polycarp were, were bros and hardly disliked each other, but Polycarp was a pretty passionate guy even in his mid-80s. So despite their best efforts, the conversation ended up <laughs> going nowhere. Church historian Eusebius wrote later that, quote, Polycarp could not persuade the Pope nor the Pope Polycarp. The controversy was not ended, but the bonds of charity were not broken. End quote. Anicetus then let the illustrious bishop celebrate Easter on the date he had grown used to and left that battle for another day. Pope Anicetus died around the year 168 AD, possibly suffering a martyr's death, though there's no historical record to say for sure, and he was buried in the cemetery of St. Callistus in Rome. His feast day is currently celebrated on April 20th. 
Well, that's it for this episode. Another Pope down. Some more fun facts learned, I hope. There are no surviving writings from this particular Pope, but perhaps as a takeaway instead, we can consider the story of he and Polycarp once again, given the times we find ourselves in as a society. Note the words of Eusebius, that despite not being able to see eye to eye on something important to them both, the bonds of charity were not broken. Well, thank you as always for listening. If you're not already and you believe in the mission of what we're doing here, if you'd like to support us and join us on Patreon at, at patreon.com slash the podcast. Your patronage helps cover things like our hosting costs, the ability to produce these episodes, but then of course, uh, more importantly, gets you things like early access to new episodes and other great freebies depending on your per episode tier. So check it out at patreon.com slash the podcast. And then lastly, if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast over at iTunes. Uh, we'll be sure to read out any reviews on uh, on future shows. Hit share on your podcast or your Spotify app and text this episode to a friend if you liked it, if you're entertained by it. Uh, and then be sure to give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at the Popecast in the meantime for daily Pope quotes and old photos. So as we close this episode, we pray for the intercession of Pope St. Anicetus that we'd be given the grace to persist in charity, even in the face of disagreement and division. Until next time.